We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. Boy, oh boy, we've had an interesting one today as people are responding, Fachi, to the Bob Kravitz episode that we did on Thursday night. A lot of interesting feedback, but overall, Fachi, just great to hear Pacer fans talking again because I sure have missed the back and forth on social media. My God, Twitter right now, you could you could imagine just a tumbleweed just rolling through. It is a dead period Pacer basketball, but you know, hey, on a day like last night, it looks like there was a little bit of buzz going on because we talked about people responding. Uh, Alex, there was a certain individual who responded himself. Uh, who is that guy? Yeah, it was the one and only Miles Turner himself. So, a lot of people were like, I think the trade deadline does a great job of listening to different podcasts and sharing quotes. Mm-hmm. So he shared a quote from our podcast about Bob Kravitz. Basically, when I asked him, you know, is this you guessing or is this something you've heard? And he said, I'm not guessing. Miles Turner does not want to be in Indianapolis. And so that blew up. Obviously, I knew that once he said that, and we talked about it, you know, in the outro oh, like, of that oh. show. We basically knew, okay, this is going to get some feedback. And obviously the trade deadline <laughs> knew that too. That's why they posted it because they wanted to hear the back and forth. And so a lot of people were tagging Miles. Please, Miles, let us hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts on it. And so Miles just posted a gif of uh, one cap, two cap, red cap, blue cap. So basically saying this is false. And I thought, you know, it was interesting to see him respond to that because, I mean, he didn't have to respond. So for him responding, I think that, um, you know, he saw what was going on. He saw the quote, and I'm sure that he wasn't happy with it. But I, I, I do want to talk about this because not trying to, like, you know, milk this conversation too much and just to make a podcast out of it. But I think it's very fascinating, Fachi, 
to look at the pros and cons and, and, and look at where people are getting their information versus where some are, because just put it this way real quick before I let you jump back in here. We had Scott Agnes on, what was it, a month ago? I had him on. I think you were out of town, couldn't make the pod or whatever like that. But mm-hmm. he came on and talked with me and said, no, Miles wants to be here. You know, Miles loves Indianapolis and he's excited about the opportunity to play with Tyrese Halliburton. I think Michael Scotto said the same thing on the podcast back in June. So we had heard from two different reporters that Miles wanted to be here. We didn't really ask if Miles wanted to be here. Kravitz kind of brought that up on his own. But I will say this. Bob Kravitz just had a one-on-one conversation with Kevin Pritchard. I'm not saying that Kevin Pritchard was his source and determining whether or not Miles wants to be here or not based on why he said that, but I'm just trying to play, you know, detective here and figure everything out and read, uh, you know, connect all the dots here, basically. I just feel like there was a strong indication given to Kravitz, maybe from the Pacer standpoint, that uh, Miles maybe didn't want to sign an extension. And I think that's kind of why he was so blunt, I guess you could call it, in, in coming out and saying what he said. Absolutely. Now, look, yeah, it, we talked about it. We, we felt that, that that quote was going to be a powerful one. And, you know, I don't blame Miles for responding at all. I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, he didn't have to respond. But also, I do believe that he loves the fans of Indiana. I do believe that he... I do believe that he loves being an Indiana Pacer, but also in terms of, you know, signing an extension over there. Yeah, I'm sure he is probably excited to test the market. We talked about how there's a lot of teams with a lot more cap space next year. And Miles probably feels that he's heading towards a career year. Why sign an early extension? I don't know what went on in the room between Kravitz and Pritchard. I have no idea. I'm not going to act like I know what went on over there. But overall, I mean... A lot needs to be determined. Uh, It's going to be interesting. And then a lot of fans brought it up. They wouldn't blame Miles for feeling that way. The the way that the Pacers have shopped them year after year. I mean, they were as if Phoenix agrees to a sign and trade, Miles is in Phoenix. I mean, clearly the Pacers dangled him. So I wouldn't blame him for feeling some sort of way. But here we are. This is this is where we're at. I think this is unfortunately going to be the main story going into this season. Hopefully it's not similar to like when Victor Oladipo was going through this where you're just wondering, uh-oh, like he wouldn't sign an early extension, you know, when are they going to make a move or or with each loss if it adds up, but that's where we're at. The Pacers have some resolving to do and you know, I think both parties, seven-plus years in, going into eight. I mean, eventually it becomes time for a fresh start. But, hey, if it's to work out, then it's meant to be. If not, then at, at this point, at least the Pacers know they've had this relationship for seven-plus years to the point where Miles is actually one of the longest-tenured players in the NBA. There truly is that much turnover. But we're going in one direction, and he may be going in the next. But, you know, like I said, we're going to have to wait and see. What's your favorite One Direction song, Fachi? I don't have any. I'm not going to act like I know anything that they got going on other mm-hmm. than me just saying One Direction here, One Direction there. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't know if you were trying to, like, give me the transition no to that. No there. Nope. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But I do want to preface this. I, I believe that Miles Turner um, likes Indiana. I think that if he really wanted out, he would have requested a trade. But I will say this. I do believe to a certain degree that the Pacers feel like Miles will walk because I don't think they're going to be willing to give him the extension he's looking for in terms of the amount of dollars per year that he'd like to make. So 
if he's looking for somewhere, I think Kravitz brought up twenty five million a year, something like yep. that. I, I don't know if the Pacers, yeah, I don't know if the Pacers really want to uh, commit to that with Miles. Now, whether you think they should or not, I, I'm not here to argue that. I'm just saying, I based on everything we've heard, I just wonder if the Pacers feel like they're just not seeing eye to eye in terms of an extension. But I do think that what Kravitz said is he said Miles is a pro, and the Pacers have no issues going into the season with the current roster and moving him before the trade deadline. So I don't think the relationship is so like messed up that they can't be professionals about it and go about doing their business. Because like he said, I think both sides kind of need each other at this point. If there's not a deal in place, Miles needs to have the ability to do what he needs to do to get his value up to go out there and get the best payday for him if he doesn't resign with the Pacers. And the Pacers need to do what's best for them, and that's find the best place for Turner if they do indeed want to trade him. So that's kind of where I'm at with it all. But you know how difficult it is to make trades once the season starts. You really can't do that. Um, and, and probably till like December 15th, that's a date that we always watch because that's when a bunch of players that signed can become available. So you're talking at least like the first three to four months of or at least first three months, excuse me, of, you know, trying to work through these, what could be, like you talked about, issues in in terms of feelings and what the direction of the team is and that kind of thing. So overall, I I didn't read too, too much into it, but I did know that those bold comments would get a a lot of feedback from fans, especially those that are big Turner fans, and I just found, I think the funniest thing that I, I noticed on social media uh, on Friday, Fachi, was how many people were saying Bob Kravitz is a fraud and just started like yeah, discrediting his that. name as soon as this came out. Because whether you think so or not, I mean, people think he has a bias towards Miles. Maybe he does. Maybe he's not the biggest Miles fan. But at the end of the day, I don't really feel like this was opinion based because that's what I wanted to get out of him. I asked him that. And that's the reason I did because I felt like, um, I wanted to make sure there was not a bias towards uh, not liking Miles or against Miles. I wanted to make sure, like, this is how he really feels or, like, this is what he really thinks based on what he's heard. So I wanted to clarify that. But uh, any other thoughts on that, Fachi? I know I've been rambling. I'm sorry about that. No, no. I would just say, like, look, would Miles like a bigger role and a big payday in Indiana? Absolutely. That, I think, would solve – everything over there and I think at that point he'd want to be a pacer for life but that might not be the situation when you have you know Isaiah Jackson over there you're trying to get minutes for over there you got you know you're going to be you know giving out a max uh, max contract to Tyrese Halliburton soon uh you're going to be you know, looking to dish out other money yeah will the money be there sure it will but will you know will Miles be able to remain healthy you know, that, that's another thing over here. It's like great guy when it comes to being a pro. This man is no Kyrie Irving. He will show up to work every day that he's healthy for and give you his all. And it's in his best interest to ball out and have a career year. So not worried about that. But yeah, at the same point, both, you know, I'd say the Pacers have been kind of one foot out, one foot in on him for uh, the, the next, you know, the last couple of years, I would say. So at this point, if changes to happen, I don't think it would surprise anyone. So I wanted to clear up the comments of him saying that he doesn't want to be here. It's probably that he's likely to not sign an extension. So we'll see what happens, yeah. you know, until the end of the year. But uh, that's all <laughs> I got on that. 
Yeah, for sure. I definitely think wording and, and choice of words can be, uh, you know, taken out of context, especially when you only take like a sentence or two and don't listen to the full thing. But exactly, <laughs> I mean, because the, the way he said it, I mean, it was pretty adamant, like he felt like what he said was the truth. So I'm not trying to sit here and say that he's lying, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, I can see where maybe like it was one of those things where he just feels like after this season, like there's no chance Miles is on the roster next year. And, I, and that's just, I think the writing has been kind of on the wall. We've talked about that quite a bit. I mean, going after Aiton, the Hayward stuff, you know, trade rumors the last four to five years. I mean, it's just constantly his name being put through the ringer in terms of trade rumors. So um, here he is you know, the, the longest survivor of probably any guy I mentioned in trade rumors that I can ever remember. So I would say so. So it's just interesting. I mean, um, I think the Pacers have a certain price tag for him. I don't think other teams have met that yet. So once teams do, I think that you'll see a move. But like he said on the pod, you know, you got to find out, uh, you know, you got to get yourself something back for him, whether it's uh, a diminished asset because you waited too long to trade him or whatnot. But um, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We have two more segments left on the show. On our next segment, we're going to be talking about Buddy Hield and Miles Turner and the pros and cons to doing that said Lakers uh, trade and just kind of talk through that. And then in the third segment, I'm going to give you guys an update on the Indiana Pacers and Lance Stevenson. So we'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Fachi. So now that we've kind of put it out there, we know that there's been some rumblings at least of a Miles Turner, Buddy Heald package to the Lakers for Russell Westbrook picks involved, whatever that is. Let's kind of like look at this from both sides here, but mostly the Pacers side. What are the pros and cons in, to doing such a deal? Pros. All right. Russell Westbrook's contract, just over $47 million. You take that back and when you're, you know, say you are doing the framework of Turner and Buddy Heald, uh, Turner's set to hit free agency. So, you know, that money's kind of a, a bit of a wash. You're getting off an additional $19 million for Buddy Heald. And when you take that money off the books for next year, as I mentioned last episode, the highest paid pacer on the team will be Daniel Tice at just over $9 million. And we don't even know if he'll still be there. So you love pay- saying that. Well, look, so say Tice <laughs> is to get moved, say he isn't. The pacers are looking at upwards of $50 million in cap space for next year. That is 
massive going in. And, and there's plenty of things that can be done, you know, before then to even maximize that to get up to over, upwards of $60 million in cap space. So I know this year was not the free agency, you know, uh, year that you wanted. Next year's class is better, and the Pacers would have some big time money for next year's free agency class. Mm, yeah, that's that's the big pro, Foch. I think having all that money, knowing that Westbrook won't play uh, on the roster, like so many people are like, Herb Simon will not weigh $47 million. And I will just push back on that because everything I've thought about Herb, he's kind of changed course a little bit, Foch. Been and, an interesting year for Herb. Yeah, I mean. He's he's turning the leaf. He's embracing the rebuild. He's okayed the rebuild. He okayed the Sabonis trade and trading off some of these veteran guys that are pretty good players, not great, but good players that could make you much more competitive for picks that potentially could be good, could be bad. So, you know, I think what's happened here is we've seen a changing of, of Herb Simon's philosophy so I'm not opposed. I don't think he's opposed as much as people think he is to making this deal for Westbrook because the long-term goal here is to be as bad as possible. I also wonder though, are these, you know, in terms of pros, like how important are these Lakers picks in 27 and 2029? Because looking at the Lakers roster, I don't think LeBron James is going to be on that team in 2027. Not saying that he might not be in the NBA still, but in five years. I don't know if he's going to be on the Lakers, let alone 2029. So, yes, they could lure in guys for sure to come play with Anthony Davis or if he's even on the roster, who knows, or they could be absolutely atrocious, which ended up them getting, like, really good high draft picks and, like, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, you know, Julius Randle at points. So they've had some really high picks, and if you could have a chance to get your hands on those, you know, while you're trying – just imagine having those picks – with an already established roster at that point in five years, that could make some sense to me. So I think that's a major pro too. It really is. And when I when we talk about those picks, I know I've thrown out the term mystery box a bunch. This is the definition of the mystery box. We're talking about picks five to seven years from now. We have no idea what those picks are going to be. But there's what I mentioned. You know, when you when you already have three picks for this year's draft class. You know, say, you know, you want to move up. Those are the picks that can become extremely intriguing. What ifs when you present that godfather like offer, if you want to try and move up to one or two, I know it's going to be tough. Who knows where we'll even end up. But those are the picks that all of a sudden could be really appealing to another team that could end up not really materializing into much, but it looks really appealing in a trade offer. So um, that would strap the Pacers with a lot of assets to be able to make that move for a more established star. And as we know, the trade route has really been that route for the Pacers. I mean, that that mm-hmm. they've traded for a lot of guys that they brought in. You know, the draft is other way to do it, but through trade, being able to take on bigger contracts, you want to have draft picks to be able to make that move happen. And you know, when you look at guys like Rudy Gobert that are being traded for all these first-round picks, well, you get two picks from the Lakers. We already got three picks. You know, for this upcoming year, we control all of our other first-round picks moving forward. It puts the Pacers in a nice spot when they finally are ready to push the chips in and say, we're going for it all. Yeah, and I think that's a big point there, Fachi, because I'm like, just just using it as an example, but we already seen Kevin Durant 
requests a trade? What if a guy like Jason Tatum all of a sudden wants to request a trade out of Boston? Not saying it's going to happen, but I'm just throwing out a hypothetical here. The Pacers could say, well, we have all of our picks. Mm-hmm. We have all of our pick swaps, but we also have two other picks that could be huge, uh, you know, rebuilding tools if the Celtics wanted to go that route. Whatever. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but it's just the possibility. Like, you could basically say, well, we'll give you picks, you know, 20, 2026, 2028. But since we have the Lakers picks, we can give you 27 and 29, too. So you got four straight years of additional picks. I mean, that number one gives them ammo to go out and find other talent or uh, help with a rebuild if they were going that route. So I definitely think, you know, it does just allow you because allow you more leverage because, like you said, the whole Gobert thing, like that's why the Knicks did the trade with the Thunder. They got a bunch of first-round picks and that, even though they're probably going to be bad, you can make it look really good if you're the Jazz and say, well, we got six first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell when they're probably not the most important first-round picks. But the fact that you got them makes a big difference. So let's look at the cons here, Fachi. Um, I would say, for me, the biggest con is, are you underselling Buddy Hill to Miles Turner? I think that's where we got to start. Because if you look on paper, you're saying, so you're going to trade the best shot blocker in the league and the guy that was second in May threes for a pick five years from now and another pick seven years from now. We don't know if those picks are going to be in the late 20s. Oh, and then you're going to cut a check for over $40 million to tell Russell Westbrook to not play here. It sounds crazy. You know, really, when you put it out there like that, it's like, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? So that, that's that got to be, you know, the con is like, man, we really can't trade those guys for just like individually, maybe a 2023 first round pick and another 2023. Now, all of a sudden, we have five 2023 first round picks or even you go for a 2024 first round pick. So basically, it's, hey, is this the best possible offer or do we want to do these deals individually? And I agree with that, Fachi. I think that going the individual route makes the most sense. I think that I could talk myself into this deal more so because of the cap space for next year and how that would help us out maybe the year after that because you are shedding quite a bit of salary, but at the same time, it's like I know the Pacers like getting picks, but I also know that they like getting players to come back with a pick maybe. You know, that's why they did the Neesmith deal with the Celtics, knowing that the pick wouldn't be great. I'm sure there was other deals out there that could have been a little bit better than that maybe. But, you know, maybe they're just high on Neesmith or higher on Neesmith, especially higher than you (laughs) on Aaron Neesmith. I mean, huh? Well, I said, we'll see on that. I mean, look, hey, look, I, I trust me, I want to root for Neesman. I do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> like, it's hard for me to get excited about a guy who shot 30% in summer league, you know, oh, year three. But Come at the on, same dude. point. It's like you're pulling up Drew League stats. What is going on here? I mean, I'm sorry. It, it, Taylor Horton Tucker drops 11 points in the Drew League. I, I can't get thrilled about saying Dude, that. stop. Hey, oh, my gosh, man. You're, you're just. this guy. But Don't look, be insufferable. Also, real, real quick. When I mentioned Herb Simon turning a new leaf, is it just me or did TJ Leaf literally ruin the term leaf? Because I've had a bad taste in my mouth ever since I made that statement about 10 minutes ago. Oh. 
like a feeling came over me. Like I got a little bit like I'm still mad about that pick. I'm going to move <sighs> on. But I just want to say TJ Leaf ruined the name Leaf. Shout out TJ Leaf if you're listening. Thank you so much for the years that you gave us. It was fun to make fun of you. But with that being said, TJ Leaf is not going to be brought up on this podcast no. anymore this year. So that'll be that. But um, <laughs> with that being said, I, I will say this. I think one of the major cons to doing this is, like you said, not getting a player in return. Russell Westbrook's a huge contract. You're also helping out the Lakers. I don't really care about that. People are so like, yeah, well, we can't help out the Lakers. It's like, look, you're not really worried about who you're helping out because even if they get Buddy and Miles, like who's their starting point guard then? Kendrick Nunn? Are they going to start LeBron at point guard and then try to throw in like uh, um, – who, who's the guy that picked it from the Spurs again? I'm Lonnie Walker. Lonnie so, Walker. like, are they going to throw him in there? I mean, what are they going to do? Like, they got Thomas Bryant for a reason. I don't think the Lakers are set on doing this deal because I think they're still holding out for Kyrie Irving. They okay? are. We're their backup option right over here. Yeah. Kyrie is for sure their top option. Then there's Miles and Buddy. Yeah. Um, so well, here's I, what I was going to say real quick. Yeah. Because we heard about, and I brought it up a little bit yesterday, or excuse me, Thursday on the show with Kravitz. And we talked about it a little bit how there was a rumor out there. I don't remember who it was from. I think it might have been Mark Stein, but I, I could be wrong. Basically, it was like a, a Buddy Heald trade package with like Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker coming back to the Pacers, you know, something very small like that, where it didn't really include Russell Westbrook. Because I think what they would like to do is keep that Russell Westbrook card in play to where they could go and get Kyrie Irving. And that way, your team looks like Kyrie and Buddy in the backcourt instead of Kendrick Nunn and Buddy. And then in the front court, you already got Thomas Bryant in free agency. So I think they would feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, not going out and trading for a center. As good defensively as Miles is, you know, Thomas Bryant is known uh, for his outside shooting a little bit. I think he's a tougher – I think he's a better player than people probably realize he is, but I don't think he's, like, great by any stretch of the mean. I'm just saying – I could see them preferring that route, having that type of shooting from the outside and Kyrie and Buddy next to LeBron and Anthony Davis. But at the same time, that team is probably insanely bad defensively on the perimeter between Buddy and Kyrie. So it's not like the greatest thing, but I, I just I just think it's fascinating to kind of look at the Lakers standpoint and where they're where they're coming from because they've got a They've got to make moves to this roster because if it stays the way that it is, it's going to be bad. So they're going to make moves. I think they're going to get desperate enough, and I think that's what the Pacers are hoping for. Um, but you just have to wonder because I know – I don't think Kravitz said it on our show, but he did say it Monday on the radio that there aren't any other trades out there for for Miles. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So I'm hoping that maybe if this plays out, um, he can prove his worth and get us more because right now it feels like you're selling super low on Miles, and that would be a con to me. Yeah, I just think the market just isn't there right now. I know we we see a lot of um, rumors, but I don't think there's really legs to them. Like, for instance, they're like, "Oh, Charlotte." I mean, what if what about uh, what about Hayward and, and PJ? And and then you see like a, a revolving door of is it a first round pick? Is it Mark Williams? Like, I don't know if that's really true, especially the fact that Miles Bridges isn't going to get that payday um, that everybody thought he was. So I, I think that they don't need to clear that same amount of money now. So I don't think the Hornets are going to make that type of move, but I think this is something that is really going to drag into the year because right now, I mean, talk, think about it. The draft just happened and I'm just, but the draft happened. Free agency happened. Like teams addressed centers. There's still guys out there. Like you could sign like a Montrez Harrell for super cheap 
you know, right now uh, compared to trading a first round pick for Turner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there, there's a couple other centers out there. So I think that teams might want to go that cheaper route right now. And then if there is an injury or something, something develops around that December time, like you talked about, then I think Turner's value could be significantly higher because I mentioned he's in a position now. There is no Domas out there. You got the best point guard you've at your maybe yeah. ever going to play with <laughs> or have played with in Tyrese Halberton. So why not have a career year? And at that point, I think the Pacers look at this and, you know, Alex, I broke down some of the free agents for next year. Um, Miles is one of the most appealing free agents for next year. Okay. He's going to have competition. So look, look at the unrestricted free agents, LeBron, Kyrie, Andrew Wiggins. Then right over there, you could put Turner because at that point, the other guys are Kevin Love. There's Vucevic. There's D'Angelo Russell. There's Russell Westbrook. Those are basically the big names for next year. The Pacers are going to have some serious competition if they want to retain Turner, if they're not going to do an early extension or anything. So, um, you know, he, he's going to have suitors. So at that point, you know, it's it's a move that you might want to get ahead on unless you have, you know, uh, unless you really want to work towards that early extension because the Pacers can't afford to lose miles for nothing. Yeah, that's, that's a tough spot to be in. And, um, you know, they capitalized on Domas when they did. I think they that nobody expected that to happen. And so they were able to get full value, probably better value than I think people realized he had. But the carousel vert, the writing was on the wall. They got, I would say, decent to low value for him. Brogdon felt like decent to low value for him. Now with Turner, it looks like decent to low value for him if they move off of uh, if they move on from him. So it's just one of those things where I think the Pacers, and I kind of brought this up yesterday on the show with Bob Kravitz. It's just like I feel like they kind of backed themselves into this corner with Miles. They've they've done it to themselves in terms of devaluing him to a certain degree. Now, I think at the end of the day, if he was a good player, and I shouldn't say that. I think if people knew that he could be consistently relied upon and could help them consistently, then a deal would have already been done. But I think because of the uncertainty, not because he's not a good player. I think he's a good player. I just think because of the uncertainty with him, they – Teams, I should say, are, are probably hesitant to give up any major um, compensation to go out and get him. And I think you also have to realize he isn't in that expiring contract year. So what are you doing if you go out and get him? Are you getting him for one year and then giving up something of value because you're taking a rental for a year? I think if he maybe had two to three years on his contract mm-hmm. left, it probably does raise the value a little bit. But at the same time, do people really believe that Miles Turner is a guy that's worth $18 million a year? I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying do people believe that across the league? So, um, you know, I think he's – I definitely think he's in the top half of the the centers. We talked about that earlier this year when we did a ranking. I think he had him ranked at like 12, which, yeah. which I thought was – everybody ahead of him was pretty much an all-star. Yeah, all-star or like a young player with a lot exactly. of potential. So it's it's really a tough situation to be in. I think for Buddy, I know a lot of fans grew attached to Buddy because of his offensive outpour. Uh, outpour, yeah, outpour, am I trying to say that right? I don't know. Uh, basically, he was a great offensive player last year, and he always has been. He's a very good offensive player, but defensively, he can't guard a bucket of water. So um, I just believe that Buddy healed is one of those guys that does not fit the timeline whatsoever. You really can't make a case for a guy being about 30 years old for, you know, 
making sense with the timeline of the team. But I do think that there's much more of a case for Miles, clearly because of how close he is in age to a guy like Chris Duarte. And he's only a couple years older, older than some of the guys still on the roster. So I'm not entirely, you know, against the idea of allowing Miles to kind of prove himself this year. But at the same time, I'm not giving him an extension without seeing what he can do and perform at a high level. I just think, and we've talked about this, and I know that fans are very, very attached to Miles, but we talked about the Pacers' ability to continue to go after players with an injury history. And we talk, I know it's different, but if the Pacers had awarded, you know, if, if Oladipo signed that deal, that yeah. near believed to be about $125 million, over $100 million deal, the Pacers would be in absolute shambles right now. And that's paying a guy coming off of an injury. If the Pacers were to have re-upped, re-upped uh, you know, Karis LeVert on a new deal, they would be in trouble. If the Pacers were to have re-upped TJ Warren on, on a you know substantial deal, they'd probably be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Turner has not finished the last two seasons in terms of the second half. So to give a guy like that an extension early, and it's not just an extension. This is $100 million that we're talking about. If it, you know, He was just making $18 million for four years. Uh, per year, you figure you up that to right around 25. You, uh, there's not that much money that can continue to go around after this when you know you got to pay Halliburton. And if you want to bring in anyone else after that, it's going to be tough. So at this point, you just can't give that early extension. You have to ride it out. I, I, I've, you know, you've heard me over the last couple of weeks. I've kind of grown a little bit to say, hey, let's see what he can do because I want to see him with Halliburton. But do I think long-term that's going to be a situation where, hey, we're going to ink them for another four, maybe five years? I I don't. I don't. So at this point, I would like to see it so I know that no stone has been left unturned. But at the end of the day, I don't want the Pacers out in the cold saying, man, a couple years ago we could have traded him for a top-five pick. Because I do remember that. Then it changed to, hey, you know, we could have traded him, you know, in whatever, in the Gordon Hayward deal, or we could have traded him to, we heard Minnesota had interest or Charlotte had interest, and we waited and we waited and waited, and all of a sudden, last year at the deadline, it's no surprise the Pacers couldn't trade him due to the injury. Mm. All teams were scared off. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it, Fox. I think we've pretty much covered this segment. Uh, Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and I will share some information and an update on where the Pacers and Lance Stevenson are at currently in terms of working out a contract. So we'll be right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Alex, I think the people are, uh, I think they're ready because you teased it enough to the point where I know I know a little bit because we talk off, we talked offline about it, but the people got to know what's the update on Lance. Okay. Yeah. So I reached out, uh, I reached out to a source to just kind of figure out what's going on with the Lance situation. It was not Pacers related. It was Lance's side of things. And uh, this is what I, this is what I, I got back and they said, they're both, um, really happy and they're both 
you know, this person and Lance, they're both really excited for uh, the Pacers and what direction they're going. But they said, you know, they believe that uh, Lance would be an absolute terrific fit as that role player here. And he is fully on board and just wants to embrace whatever direction the Pacers are going. So um, that was a quote that I was given, but basically he would embrace being that 15th man. I think a lot of people have brought this up as that Udonis Haslam type of fit. And so, you know, with Lance's capabilities, you know, we know he can play the point guard. He's big enough to play the two or the three. And I think and in some situations you could even play him at the small ball four. So he's got that type of versatility and, um, you know, I, I think he would be a perfect veteran to have mentor these guys because they already have had that connection with the most of the guys on the team because I don't think they brought anybody from the outside in except for the trade to get Neesmith and Tice. So overall, and some of the rookies probably don't know him, I think right now um, Lance would fully embrace coming back. He wants to retire as an Indiana Pacer. So uh, he really doesn't want to play anywhere else, according to this source. And also, I will just say this, the Pacers and Lance are not anywhere close right now on coming to a deal because the Pacers still have other priorities ahead of this. But I think that come, you know, training camp time, we still have about two months till then, Fachi. I think as more roster moves are probably finalized here within the next couple of months, we could get our answer on, on how the Pacers feel about Lance, but, you know, nothing going on, you know, right now, nothing great in terms of Lance's stance with the team, but, um, you know, Lance is completely fine with taking on that 15th man role, Foch, being that veteran. He's completely happy with where the Pacers are headed, loves the, the direction of kind of rebuilding with this young core. And he is really excited about potentially being a part of that as a leader and taking on a lesser role. So I think that, uh, over time, Lance has learned a lot through his ups and downs in his career, but um, I know fans are eager to get Lance back on the team, and so I thought that was a really important update. Absolutely. I know the the cool thing is to discredit someone and say they got no sources over there. Look, I know who Alex spoke with. I can promise you that this is a very, very valuable source, and I loved hearing it. I loved hearing that Lance is bought into that 15th man if that's what the situation is. Now, if the Pacers are to sign Kendall Brown to that two-way contract, they would have that last spot left. And when you're talking about like an emergency vet right over there, look, if Lance is bought in like that, man, that's just going to make everybody happy because there's just something about him that we just can't let go. I mean, when he came on our show to this day, that was one of my favorite interviews. It was just there was so much we were able to reflect on, talk about, thought he was really open. He just, there's something about him like that, that smile that just makes you reflect back on the best days of Pacer basketball and then where we are now. He's been that bridge for all of it. And I love the fact that it's like, it's still not over. There's still a chance to come back once more. And, and I'm really excited for it. And I know Lance feels like, uh, kind of like that bird you can't cage. Like you want him to spread his wings and be Lance. And, that, and at times, if it's to work out, there will be those times where he can do that. But also, we know the direction. It, it is a rebuild. We, we do want to prioritize the youth. So whatever happens, I feel like I'm at peace because for a while, the majority of us were saying, bring Lance back, bring Lance back. Like We wanted it. We wondered why it wasn't happening. 
but we got it. So I feel like if it doesn't happen, I've had closure. But if it does happen, man, I will welcome that guy back with open arms time after time. Yeah, I would say probably the only two cons I see in bringing him back is you do kind of fill that 15th man roster spot with a guy that you probably know doesn't have like a long-term future with the team in terms of like on-court production. Like he might be a great locker room guy, and I think that's really important. But I also have to wonder if the Pacers would prefer to add a younger player because we kind of see the league go that way, just trying to add as much youth as you can. But I do think that they've kind of devalued the NBA in general, has devalued the importance of veteran leadership. So don't know if Lance is like the perfect veteran. I'm just, just my opinion. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't know if he's the perfect veteran that you'd want to bring in. But I do think that his infatuation with the fan base in Indiana, to me, I feel like he would be on his best behavior and you wouldn't have to worry about some of the antics that you maybe had to deal yep. with back 10, 12 years ago, whenever that was. So I think he's grown up quite a bit. I think from him coming on our show, I mean, the dude is nonstop laughing. So that that was always super fun to me. But I will say the other con is like you said, the fan base. The fan base is so in love, love with Lance Steven. With yeah. they're so in love with them, would they embrace him being that 15th man on the roster? And I don't think there really would be uh, an overwhelming majority that says they would because I think some would say, oh, yeah, I just want him on the team. But I promise you, you're going to hear it almost every single night in Gamebridge yep. Fieldhouse. Put Lance in the game. He's the only reason we're going to win. You know, And I've exactly. heard that every single time I've been to a game when Lance has been on the roster because people really believe in Lance that much because they've seen the Lance magic. They saw the 20 points in the first quarter against the Nets. So the Pacers probably don't want to have that pressure of like, you know, whatever. But I think if Lance came out and just kind of said it multiple times, like, hey, I'm here to be a role player. I'm here to be almost like a player coach, <laughs> one of those type of things. So if Lance came out and kind of addressed that, I think that would definitely help his situation in terms of like how the fans feel about everything, because in the pace, you don't have to worry about like sugarcoating everything. But overall, I, I don't think there's like the cons that I brought up are, are big enough to, def, you know, to deter me away from wanting to do this, I think at this point with how free agency has gone, there's not really a lot of other spots out there. Um, If you really believe in the young core that you got and you don't want to add any more people to that to maybe like compete in that, that camp, like you could go after Colin Sexton if you wanted to, he's still out there. You still got a lot of money. He's a lot better than Lance. You got a lot brighter future. Um, But if you really believe in Duarte and and Matherin and even, even Neesmith, then maybe you just decide, Hey, let's just add a vet with that 15th spot and not crowd our backcourt too much because we want to give these guys the ample opportunity to show themselves and prove themselves. Yeah. Look, there, there's like this part of me that just can't talk bad about Lance, but then there's this other part of me that's just like, Hey, you know, if there's a young guy out there that we could roll the dice on that could be here for a couple of years, then it's hard to pass up. But I also know, I, I think you made a great point when you're saying like, I think if we were just to see Lance really just not playing for an extended period, it would like hurt a lot of us to be like, I mean, what is this? Like, we're, this is a tanking season anyway. Like, and then it's all of a sudden it's like, is he really taking away a bunch of minutes from, from Nemhard or, or, or someone else? One of the younger guys, like I, the, we run that risk, but if that's the biggest con, it's not that crazy for a 15th man. So, you know, I, I really hope it works out. I, I really do. Yeah. If it doesn't, like I said, I've gotten closure. So 
I'm just going to leave it up to the front office at this point and just hope for the best. Yeah, I think he signed like three to four 10-day contracts last year. I mean, as many as he could. So, yep, you did. I, they really, I mean, <laughs> I didn't know one man could sign that many. It was like they truly maxed it out to yeah. the point where it was like, all right, well, hey, sign the man for the rest of the year and let's make everybody happy. Yeah, he signed the COVID 10 days and then he like <laughs> went on the regular 10 days. And then when everybody got healthy, he had to, you know, that that 10 day ended quicker than they had to sign up to a roster spot. So personally for me, what I think would be the most realistic option is to give him like a non-guaranteed or a partially guaranteed contract. Yeah. So if they do happen to like feel like they have to make a trade and they need to waive somebody, they could waive him in the trade or or whatnot, kind of like they did with Dwayne Washington Jr. Don't want to necessarily like lose the guy for nothing or waive him because it's always tough, but you also realize it's a business. And like at the end of the day, you're not losing sleep if you have to cut Lance to bring on uh, somebody else in a, in a trade. Like if they were to do like a two for one in terms of like a buddy heel deal with the Lakers and bring back THT and Kendrick Nunn, well then sorry, Lance, you know, it's, 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 you're going to have to wave you to get that roster spot open. So that that's what I think would happen, but um, I just thought it was good to hear from this source. Um, they didn't give me permission to out them, but they did give me permission to share this. So, uh, you know, I, I just feel like the fact that Lance 100% wants to be here and would embrace the 15th man rule, what was just huge to me and hearing that back because um, sure. Lance is probably trying to hang on to his NBA days for sure. But at the end of the day, I think Lance is just excited um, to be a part of this young Pacers core because he really enjoyed the environment of that team last year. Oh yeah. Above all, what we will always hold fondly is the feeling was always mutual as much as Pacer fans love Lance. He loves us back and he loves being here. And, you know, he's, he's had a home here for, quite some time and I feel like he's grown up here and no doubt his best NBA memories are with the Pacers and it just feels like when he comes you know back to Indiana each time like he gets his powers back like if you saw Lance in Atlanta this year and he was on that first 10 day it was like upsetting you know you felt like they didn't appreciate him as much as we do and then he comes here and we talked about the Brooklyn game I mean he's electric so at this point look uh you know I I just want to see it unfold uh we'll we'll know if the Pacers are to sign anyone else it'll probably kind of shut the door on that a bit but I think they're gonna they're really gonna wait and see on this last roster spot absolutely so I uh, I think I've rambled enough Fachi on today's episode probably over rambled I don't know what my problem is I'm tired and that's what I do when I'm tired so uh take it away and let people know where they can find us at on social media absolutely so you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three you can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA I can be found on Twitter at underscore FACCI you could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk you can find us on Facebook at setting the pace you can find us on TikTok setting the pace and Alex Tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. You can check us out on YouTube at Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. I have some interviews up there that I think you guys will all enjoy, so make sure you guys check that out. And Fachi, if you're excited that I didn't make any jokes today about you and your Wizards fandom, say these three words. There it is. Let's go, Pacers! <laughs>